Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 7, Episode 10. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of Project Voice. This would be the last episode in the season. If it weren't for a special one we're going to do next week, we're going to have a large update on Project Voice 2023. There's a lot to cover there in terms of uh, what's happening with restaurant content, contact center content, uh, some other speakers uh, that are added, um, media coverage, et cetera. And then also at the same time, I'll address um, some news on the Project Voice Capital Partners uh, Venture Capital Fund as well. So that'll be next week. And then that will close season seven. Prior to season eight, it's been amazing. A ton of great guests, uh, a lot of interesting stories. Uh, we're grateful for everyone who's been involved. We're going to kick off a great show today and a really impactful one. We've got a great panel of folks. Alia Yakubi, I'm going to start with you. Um, tell us who you are. Uh, tell us who you're with. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you, Bradley, uh, for the invitation. It's really, I'm really honored um, to be here today. So uh, my name is Alia Yakubi. I'm um, the head of uh, Zion Lab. Uh, which is the AI team um, of a French company uh, called uh, Zion. So um, Zion is a French uh, market leader. Uh, sorry. Um, Zion is the French market leader of conversational AI um, applied to a customer relationship. And it has the ambition, of course, we have uh, the ambition to be a European leader, uh, maybe in some, some months or they are or maybe one year. We already have some markets in Germany and Spain. Um, so basically we are working on making um, customer services uh, smarter, uh, more technically advanced. Um, we try to take advantage of the, of the power of AI, the power of data, the power of voice uh, to enhance uh, customer experience. Uh, when, uh, when, for example, when customers uh, are calling um, uh, call centers or uh, any other uh, points of uh, context. Uh, so for myself, um, I'm a researcher. So I, I hold a PhD on uh, conversational AI um, and emotional uh, emotional AI. Um, and like I said, um, I'm the head of the team of uh, today we are 17 uh, data scientists, uh, speech uh, specialists, speech experts, um, natural language processing engineers, and of course, uh, linguistics, linguists, sorry. Uh, we work um, on a wide range of uh, conversational AI algorithms like uh, speech recognition. We have uh, our own speech uh, recognition engine. Um, for French, but we are working on uh, the German one also. Uh, speaker diarization, speaker verification also. Um, and also uh, we work a lot uh, on emotions uh, because we believe that uh, emotions are uh, very important when we are talking about interaction between humans or between a, a, a human and a machine. Um, we always have emotional um, situations to 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 understand and maybe to deal with uh, that's why we um, we gave a lot of importance uh, to emotion um, regarding zion so we have um, actually we have two uh, types of um, of products so we have the automation products like the callbots uh, for example so um, we have 100, like one, one more, more than 150 callbots running uh, today in production, uh, in insurance, banking, um, and yeah, and other sectors. Uh, so we master uh, natural language processing techniques to understand uh, the language and then uh, try to process uh, entirely or partially the, uh, the demand of the user. And the second part uh, of our products. Uh, it's uh, what we call um, in internal in our uh, in our team the human AI collaboration. So we are working on um, how to assist uh, human agents in real time or uh, or also um, 
in a in an asynchronous uh, level um, to analyze conversations between humans um, and track the quality level and also uh, we are working on a coaching uh, program a coaching um, for uh, human agents where the call center agent um, will be able to uh, simulate uh, and practice uh, the skills needed uh, for his job uh, with a virtual customer. So we are working also like it's a new project. We are working on uh, natural language uh, language generation. Um, that's why uh, I was very happy to read about the one of the stories. Uh, I mean, we are we will be talking about today. Ariel, we appreciate it. Yeah, Zayon looks great. Interesting company. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you. Next up, we've got Alex Bordanova. Alex, how are you? Hey. Thanks for the invitation, Bradley. For sure. Tell us who you are. Tell us who you're with. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Alex Bordanova. I take care of technology and audio at VoiceMod. VoiceMod has been here for a while. We've been empowering the 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 people, young people, uh, mostly on the internet to have fun with the friends. Originally, we we've been um, just like fueling all these experiences, mainly uh, in the initial stage on gaming, right? So. We were on Call of Duty and uh, Minecraft and um, everywhere, right? Uh, also with Discord. And during these last times, we we passed into a new stage, right? In which we we believe that we can also help so many people to to sound like they want to sound, right? So uh, we see different different roads over here. We see like the the direct one, which is like this called this thing called Metaverse, right? Which is eventually coming one day. Um, but also in the more day-to-day -day life, like for instance, my my voice now is like a bit fine-tuned, right? So I can sound how I like. On the other hand, um, we see a big spike on VTubers, like digital identities and having the ability to to impersonate somebody uh, as, as you want, right? On the on the digital space. Um, a bit about me briefly. I think that uh, all the engineer is probably my my background, but I've been doing so many stuff in the past regarding audio sound design uh, on the creative space, working a lot on interactive installations, also on the creative uh, agencies. So uh, I would say I'm jack of all trades, master of none, right? Uh, I love I like uh, learning new stuff. And of course, um, yeah, I mean, we we are here to to evolve to the next stage voice mod and this is this is really, really nice. So yeah, I, um, I think I didn't mention I take care of technology and audio. Uh, yeah, I think I did say at the beginning. Well, anyway, <laughs> I think that's briefly about it. No, that's great. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, what y'all are doing with voice mods really, really interesting. Uh, thank you for being part of the show. Mike, I'm going to go to you. Uh, tell us who you are. Tell us who you're with. Yeah, thanks, Bradley. Excited to be here. Um, so I'm Mike. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders at Modulate, which is a company trying to make online socialization through voice more inclusive, more immersive, just basically enable better and richer online interactions with folks. Um, we got our start working on generative audio, but as we chatted more with a lot of the major online platforms, we kind of indexed into this problem of there's so much toxicity online today and not nearly the tools out there to help these platforms understand what's actually happening online. Um, um, so that they can take, you know, mitigating actions, educate their users, and just improve that ecosystem to a place that everyone's able to have fun and real and authentic interactions with each other. Um, so our, our flagship product today is this solution called ToxMod, which is a, a fairly unique type of voice moderation solution um, that can actually keep an eye across the whole voice chat ecosystem while maintaining sort of good attention towards user privacy um, and quickly identify which conversations are the sort of most likely to be problematic so that we can flag to a moderation team what is the most important bad thing happening on your platform and really help them prioritize prioritize, you know, those folks that are going around actively, it's a small, small number, but there are a few who are actively trying to ruin everyone's day. And, you know, leave alone the people who are just, you know, having a good time with their friends trash talking, that's fine, that's okay. But really be able to index on that, that very small fraction that is, you know, having such a disproportionate impact on everyone else's experience. Um, so that's our focus overall. I myself uh, originally was trained in math and physics, then was a software engineer. Um, now as CEO, I don't do any of that. Um, so I mostly focus on thinking about team building and culture and working with our business development team to just bring the solution out there. Um, 
Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I'm a longtime gamer and, um, you know, I grew up in the Xbox uh, era. You know, I'm a Xbox PlayStation. I'm an Xbox guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I recently ran across a video on YouTube, not to go down a rabbit hole here. I ran across a video on YouTube of the chats that used to take place 10 years ago eight to 10 years ago on Xbox Live on like Call of Duty and stuff like that. Let's just say your services are needed. <laughs> we we absolutely agree. Yeah, and there, I, I think there's been a really positive wave of game studios and social platforms in the last, call it two to three years, really starting to, to wake up and recognize this is something they've got to take proactive action on they can't just kind of hope that it'll go away yeah. um so we, we are you know enthusiastic to see that movement happening in the industry no that's a great thing thank you <clears throat> thank you for being here noel it's good to see you uh thank you for joining us take a moment tell us who you are tell us who you're with hi uh yes that's always a fun question <laughs> i feel like every time we talk bradley i'm uh sharing a new adventure um so i'm Noelle Russell, I hope everything goes well with my wonderful internet connection. Um, I have uh, four children who stream daily, so <laughs> I share my internet with them. Um, but I'm uh, Noelle Russell. I recently got married, yay. And uh, I've spent probably the last, I guess, eight years um, officially uh, diving into the world of artificial intelligence, starting, of course, with how we met on Amazon Alexa. Um, and then diving more into computer vision and knowledge mining and enterprise AI. Uh, today, I, I, I will say I recently um, spent about two years at IBM helping them uh, build out their enterprise AI platform. Um, and now I am about to join another very large organization, which I can't share yet. It'll be news soon, though. Um, as uh, one of their senior executives leading a similar effort, um, we're realizing now that a lot of enterprise organizations just don't, they understand the dream of AI. I think we did a really good job selling the dream over the last uh, 10 years, <laughs> um, but not a lot of them are, are seeing the value uh, and, and really don't even know the value when they see it. And so I now am really passionate about making that promise a reality for organizations and as you know, Bradley, I'm very interested in accessibility and building accessible technology and letting all of the kids have fun um, playing these games and all of the you know, humans be able to interact with the software that we're building, not just the 1% of the 1%. So that's a lot of the work that I'll be doing moving forward. So I can't tell you the company yet, but I will. Um, but it's a big company. You definitely would know it. Uh, you not you would not be surprised by the outcome. <laughs> but nice to meet you all. I always love uh, chatting about the latest news. Um, but yeah, I've been in the AI space for a while and, and always have a comment or two uh, to share. So excited to be here. It's great to have you, Noel. Yeah, it's good to see you. And it's great to have all four of you here. Uh, this is going to be a great discussion. Uh, we'll go ahead and get right on into the news here. And we'll spend the most of the time on this show talking about Amazon. I'm gonna read both of these uh, articles. Um, one A is from voicebot.ai, uh, the latest details on the Amazon layoffs and the impact on Alexa. So this story was updated this morning. It was published yesterday uh, as different news is coming in. Uh, what Amazon's doing is, um, wide ranging, uh, it's impacting a lot of business units and uh, Brett and his team have, have done a good job of uh, staying on top of that. Uh, the other story is uh, related, it's from the New York Post, Alexa cut costs <laughs> with an exclamation point, that's nice. Amazon begins layoffs at devices and services units. And um, uh, this story um, uh, has a different spin on, uh, on everything, but still, I thought that would be good for something this large uh, to include two sources. Uh, this is major. Uh, this is probably, you know, one of the bigger stories um, that we've covered. Um, I've written about this already in, on, in Substack earlier this week. It kind of resets things, in my opinion, but I want to get all of y'all's thoughts. Uh, there's a lot of surface area to it. I'm going to go in the reverse order of the introductions. So, Noelle, I'm going to start with you. Um, 
your thoughts on where the Alexa ecosystem is and, and what stood out to you most about what's going on? Yeah, I mean, being part of that early team, right? I was like employee 10 on the skills team. Um, I, you know, I started, I think we had 10 or 50 skills on Alexa when I joined. Uh, it was just a baby product. Um, and I remember going through this phase of having, um, when we were hiring, we were able to cannibalize any hiring process. Any engineer coming into Amazon got two offers, one from the team they interviewed with and one slid right next door to the Alexa team. We didn't even interview them. We're just like, if you're an engineer and you're good enough for retail, we want to offer you a job on Alexa. So I understand correction is necessary in many companies, <laughs> but specifically Amazon Alexa has not had this level of a correction. It's a sign of evolution in my perspective. Also, Amazon is known for its frugality. Um, they've had a lot of turnover in their senior like executive leadership ranks. So I anticipate someone came in and was like, why, why do we have, I mean, there were 83 evangelists <laughs> at one point, right? Like, so there's some, some fat to be trimmed. And I will tell you, because of that frugal mindset in Amazon, when it's, it's almost like when you, it's a death by a thousand cuts, but when you start, it's easy to be like, oh, wait, if we're going to cut here, why don't we also cut here? And if we cut there, we could also, and it becomes almost like this snowball effect and it's addicting, like dopamine addicting to start cutting wherever you can. And Amazon has a very highly motivated culture to do that level of kind of staff reduction. So I am not surprised by it. I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened sooner. I think if um, I, I was surprised the last VP didn't do more of this correction. Uh, but that being said, though, I also think I'm worried a little bit about the trend we saw with actions getting decommissioned on the Google side. And then it being followed by, you know, the perception is reality being followed by a reduction in force um, on the Amazon Alexa side, like what is that saying to everyone who's invested in this technology from an ecosystem perspective? So that's the only part that worries me is the perception that they've created in the timing of these layoffs um, where other organizations like Google, their biggest friend, frenemy in this space has also made a similar kind of devaluing perceptive choice. So that, that worries me a little bit. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> No, I think that's great. Yeah. So we'll go through and get everybody's uh, answers to, you know, to to this, and then we'll uh, cover it from a little bit different of an angle uh, right afterwards. So Mike, I'm going to go to you. Uh, you heard Noel's comments. Uh, why, you know, big story. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I have to say my, my first thought on any stories like this, and unfortunately, there's been so many recently, is to look at the human element. And I, I don't have anything useful to say there, but I feel like it's important to acknowledge a lot of really good people are in very difficult situations, not just coming out of these layoffs from Amazon, but so many other places in the industry that are having to make these tough decisions, whether they're doing it carefully or not carefully in different places. And there's just there's a lot of people who are hurting right now. And I think it's important to to be recognizing that as you know, you you mentioned broadly, this is a big story. It certainly is big for the impact on Alexa and the voice ecosystem. But I also want to make sure to just call out it's big for people too. And that that's something that I think we should kind of be acknowledging. Having said that, I unfortunately don't have any magic answers. Um, you know, I'll I'll call out there are still companies growing and hiring in this space. Modulate's one of them, but we much as I wish we could, can't take on everyone from Amazon. We're not at that size yet. Um, I think, you know, tur turning over to what does this mean for the Amazon ecosystem? I don't have nearly the expertise that Noel does, or, you know, you do Bradley here. So I'm going to keep my remarks on that short. I think all I can really add here is at least from my perspective, I still don't think we've found the killer app yet. Um, you know, being myself a voice technology enthusiast, my my Amazon Alexa is is a slightly smart speaker for for playing music. That that's what I do with it. I haven't really found that thing that's resonating on. Oh, that's unlocking something new that hasn't been out there yet. I do have a lot of confidence in Amazon out of many large organizations kind of putting them towards the forefront on continuing to be experimental and innovative. So I think there's room for them to keep 
looking for that thing. But I, I think for me, a lot of what, what I kind of see happening here is that they, they jumped the gun a little bit on, Hey, this might be the killer app. So let's invest in it. Like it is the killer app. Let's do that for a hundred different things. And now they're suddenly sort of realizing, Hey, those bets just aren't paying off in the way that we'd like. Again, more of a layman's perspective than an expert. So any of you might tell me that I'm missing something there. I don't think you're missing anything. And no, that's great. I, um, you know, Alex, I'm going to go to you and then now y'all go to you. Uh, same question. Um, big story, uh, a <laughs> lot of surface to it. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm more or less on the same page than Mike. I, I really believe that they thought that that was going to be something big uh, or bigger. And I really believe it will be. But at the moment, I feel it's a bit in the uncanny valley to me, right? It's like I feel myself listen every time. So I just turn it on to have music with my kids, right? So they can ask for the music they like and not too much more. That will be my uh, user experience with, with the device. But in any case, uh, I think it's an opportunity because that has fostered a new generation of people that now are ready, right, to deliver for other companies, maybe smaller, and make us, right, move forward as well. So I think from a global perspective, not just for Alexa, but for the ecosystem, uh, I might be think that it's a good thing, right? We are suddenly like splitting like this big thing into so many individual units. So yeah, I, I, I think positively because of course I'm not affected directly and uh, so much pain probably for the ones that are now in this situation, but I'm quite sure they will find places, uh, in places like our companies, so. Perfect. Yeah. And now I'm going to go to you. Uh, same question. Uh, your initial reaction to this, what do you think? Yeah, I I agree uh, with, all, um, with all of you. I mean, uh, obviously, it's a sad story for people. Uh, we we don't have to, I mean, to neglect the human parts of the story because it's very, it's very sad. It, it, it would be very difficult uh, for those people concerned about uh, layoffs. Um, maybe I can add uh, my yeah kind of point of view. Um, I think yeah uh, the the use uh, for Alexa and uh, other uh, assistants like vocal assistants was very poor. Like um, uh, it was just for uh, switching on and off music. Uh, setting timer maybe or something like this um, and maybe we will have in the future we will uh, maybe have new uh, use cases uh, more advanced use cases but I think um, one important point is uh, the privacy people do care about uh, the privacy uh, when uh, especially when they are um, in their home uh, talking uh, with kids or with the partner um, and uh, using home home voice uh, assistance will I, I think it will be always threatening for this privacy unless Amazon and other big companies gave reasonable proof um, that they guarantee the security of the data and conversational data. So maybe uh, I, I'm, uh, I will add uh, this uh, this point. But I think there is no need um, to worry about the future of uh, of AI technologies and specifically uh, voice AI. Uh, I think we uh, we will have new use cases and maybe more advanced and more intelligent intelligent sorry let's say uh, use cases. Uh, if I can intervene, I think that uh, you're correct. But in any case, I can't remember the minute that we all listened to this and thought, wow, right? I mean, this is revolutionary. This is like sci-fi. So I'd say that now maybe it's not has not evolved at the same speed that now we are like all amazed with stable diffusion, all diffusion models in general, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, in any case, that was like a big jump forward in terms of what you can do with your voice and how you can activate an intelligence behind something, right? To deliver something that was like always like, uh, good, at least for the first for the first years. So I think that's also like shout out for them. People lose track of that. Um, just how um, you know the way I described it in the Substack was how heady the times were in 2016 and 2017, um, and, and beyond that, you know, where you had devices being sold left and right, and Alexa being mentioned in popular culture left and right. 
um uh, amazon hiring people left and right um you know and and uh it was uh it was a quantum leap uh that that amazon brought us through and and they deserve a lot of credit uh did they do everything right absolutely not um uh, but uh they deserve a lot of credit um I do think it's interesting too to comment that um, you know all of this the, these tech layoffs um, are um, interesting just to note how you know the the pendulum swinging back the other way in terms of the future of work discussion. So people talking about you know working remotely and hybrid work, you don't hear that in this context. You, every every single layoff there is, that stuff goes away. And now we're moving back to the way things used to be. It's really interesting in terms of if you look at this type of story just from a labor organization viewpoint. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's more to be seen there on how that fully plays out. But I think you, as you look at Silicon Valley, it's it's clear, you know, whether you're looking at Twitter or whether you're looking at Facebook or whether you're looking at this, um, that the power where the power sits. So that, you know, that's that's interesting to comment as well, that part of the story has nothing to do with Alexa, it's just a labor issue. Um, before we get off the topic of Alexa, I want to go through the order one more time. And Noel, I'm going to start with you and go through this, you know, the same procession. In just a couple of sentences, if you're coming in as the head of Alexa, because this is the other part of the story that's not mentioned in either article, is the guy who's taken over. Um, Rohit Prasad, who's been part of this thing, I know him well. <laughs> yeah, very well regarded individual um, is taking over, and uh, you know they, they've they've been doing a gazillion things. They're shrinking shrinking it. If you came in, and this is going to be the same question for everybody. A couple of sentences, keep it brief. If you came in as the head of Alexa in two to three years' time, what is the single most important thing for Alexa to be able to do? single thing. Oh my gosh, that's hard. Um, I'm actually going to dovetail on like Mike and Alex, you both talked about this. Um, so I know Rohit and he is a scientist and I'm worried. I'll tell you that about the future of a consumer product uh, driven by data science. Um, but that being said, it it's, uh, I think Alex, you had said like the number one thing we're missing, I think it was Mike anyway, is this thing is having that moment when I use this device for more than just a timer or a music. I mean, I'm working with a company, I think it's PayTalk or something, where I can talk to my Fire TV through Alexa and um, and it's mirrored on Siri and Google. Like it's, it's in a contextual experience where I actually use it to order coffee in a way that I order coffee every single day, like that it makes my life easier. And it does, I do see, in like my dad and my son, like they find magic in Alexa, but it's such a shadow of what it's possible, what's possible for a voice te technology like this device and even just the service. I'm surprised we don't see more of it today. Um, and so in three years, I would hope that we've gotten to a point where we've got contextual real life applications that are beyond the scope of a smart speaker. And that was the goal. It was to build a smart speaker. But now we know with transformers and new models that are coming out, like we could do so much more than that. So yeah, I'm looking to evolve that, um, but also keep it to Mike's perspective, keep it human. Like let's, let's not forget the people ultimately use this thing. Um, and I'm a little bit worried about that user experience. Uh, it's not great now. What'll happen as that becomes, you know, less of a priority. We're going to get to find out, uh, yep. <laughs> Mike, uh, I'm going to go to you. Singular, most important thing. You're, you're now in control of Alexa. Three, three years go by. What's the singular, most important thing Alexa should be able to do? Boy, boy, I wish I could tell you. I, the, there's something there in the, in the social entertainment space of your, your hands are occupied, you're cleaning the house, you're cooking dinner, something like that. Just being able to do something in the background more than music. I, I wish I had a better idea there. I think the, the flip side for me though would be, I, I think a lot of people forget we hear at a much, much slower pace than we read. Look at you know your Twitter page, for instance, and then try and have their, your browser read that page aloud to you and think about how much slower you're scrolling audibly than visually. 
And I think a lot of these experimental sort of voice user interfaces kind of neglect that. And that that's one of the big things that gets missed is no, no one wants it to take longer to order a coffee. No one wants it to take longer to do these sort of simple things. And so trying to prioritize where are the places where we're not trying to kind of optimize for speed or throughput, but where we're actively doing something that really is fundamentally different where voice is unlocking something new, not just a new medium for text to pass through. I think that's where the really promised stuff is. Okay. All right. Um, Alex, I'm going to go to you. Same question. You're now in command of Alexa. Uh, two to three years from now, what's the most important thing that you want it to do? Mm. I'd say that because we've been mimicking with Alexa um, something that was like basic sci-fi a few years ago, right? That we, we had the vision on the sort of devices that we see in years and years series. I don't know if you, if you watch them, but it's it's really, really nice one. Um, that we sort of are missing the soul, right, in the machine. It's like really cringy. So I try to go that way, plus trying also to power the social aspects and how that can power you to be more connected to others, which is eventually one of the bigger drivers in, in humankind, right? So uh, probably being a, an augmented layer to connect to somebody else, to give you some details, to like just add to your daily things without really being like the filter or the the wall you hit suddenly when you want to do something, but you cannot, right? So I would try to go more in a subtle way, not the, the brutal way. Interesting. And Alia, I'm going to go to you. Uh, same question. You're in control of Alexa now. Congratulations, I guess. Uh, two to three years uh, from now, uh, what's the biggest thing you want to accomplish? Um, yeah, I will keep it short. Um... Uh, like yeah, like I said, enrich use cases with customized content. For example, um, if I like uh, books, Alexa would uh, talk about uh, my favorite books or uh, or my favorite authors uh, in a kind of spontaneous way. Uh, but also the privacy, uh, the privacy of our data, our conversational data, it's it's a major point for me. No, that's that's great. So great comments all the way around, and uh, we'll we'll get off this topic. If I were going to answer the question, I I would be. It, it would take longer than the amount of time uh, which I gave you all to think about the answer to this question, which was none, um, to figure out uh, <laughs> what what the answer should be. I, I I would probably start. You know, Alexa is unquestionably um, dominant with elect with accessibility. And it's changed a lot of people's lives with who who have physical challenges, and um, but even so, there's still work that could be done. I I, um, I think whatever the answer is, um, continuing to drill down into the best it could possibly be, you know, defying anybody's expectations on what this voice assistant could do from an accessibility standpoint. Uh, wouldn't be a bad thing to include. So I, I would say I would in in the in the one page document, uh, you know, Amazon likes to keep it brief. I, I'm sure that would be on it. But great comments all the way around. Absolutely uh, feel bad for Amazon people who are laid off. Um, but it's not the end. Uh, it's the beginning uh, for tech layoffs. Um, so, uh, you know, that's just kind of where we're at. Um, Second story, and so we're what we're going to do is um, go to the second story, and then we're going to talk about the fourth story. The third story relates to Salesforce. I'm going to skip over that. Um, it was, it's kind of sales oriented anyway. Um, but uh, Alia, I'm going to start with you, and then go in reverse. Uh, you know, the original order for this story. I'm going to read it it's from Forbes. Digital banking didn't kill bank branches, but chatbots will. And it's been a while since we talked about the banking space on this show. And um, with everything that you're doing, um, tell me how this story struck you and uh, comment on the, the, the state of the intersection of the banking space, whether retail or otherwise, in conversational AI. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting story. Um, I think when it comes to money, people seem to prefer to to talk to humans, uh, so I, I, I understand why um, 
digital banking i think it's it's very uh, i mean it's very used uh, across the um French, uh, French people, for example, um, use a lot uh, their application for uh, for small uh, operations. But uh, when it comes to uh, big ones, um, they do prefer uh, to talk to humans. Um, we maybe uh, could consider uh, the emotional states. I mean, when I talk about emotion, it's not about being happy or sad. Uh, it could be, um, it can go further, like, for example, um, taking into account uh, emergency, uh, frustration, and other emotional states, uh, human wants, like human uh, emotional states. And with digital banking, is still. Um, very mono monomodal it's based on text textual content so uh, it could be seen as cold and unhuman so um yeah i do believe that, that um this uh this kind of generation of chatbot i mean this generation the actual one um i don't think it would be able to kill uh, bank branches because it lacks of uh, this kind of emotional uh, aspects so when I talk about emotions, uh, I refer to the simulation of emotion when I talk about machines, like the goal of such simulation is just to understand the emotion and to respond. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I, actually, I don't agree that chatbots will kill, <laughs> will kill the, um, the bank branches. I think uh, maybe multimodal interaction, like with voice, and maybe with the camera on, uh, with the machine, could yeah, could uh, kill the um, the physical uh, the physical bank branches. I tend to lump it all together, you know. And yeah, the, the, yeah. there's chatbot in the title of the article, but I just kind of think in terms of all of the above. So yeah, your comments are well taken, and it's interesting to think reflect on what's happening with restaurants, where conversational AI is decimating that. But you know, the people who are serving you food and you know, quick service restaurant. They don't have the same uh, necessity as you touched on as the teller at the bank because bank, you know, banking can be a surprisingly emotional activity um, where a lot of things can go wrong. So yeah, your your comments are really well taken, Alex. I'm going to going to you next. Um, interesting story here about banking um, and the intersection with conversational AI. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I think the same as my colleague. Um, I think that we have a, a have a problem with this, and it's trust, right? I mean, when we are speaking about uh, something like banking, we want one source of truth that cannot be altered, right? And the minute that you listen to the quality of the voices that more and more are coming, plus things like GPT-4, which is not too far away, right? And we will see conversational things ongoing. It's just a matter of time that we will adopt heavily on what's behind. So we'll need... Uh, some sort of verified accounts. We will need some sort of systems that can put that in place. I think I'll trust more an HTTPS uh, URL, right? That just like calling somebody or having some some sort of like bot speaking to me. That would be my initial approach um, to this. So I think it's more a matter of just like getting this settled down for a while. That's the sort of industries that are not rushing in. So eventually, maybe when we have a new generation of people that can't really decipher what's real and what's not, right? What's what's to come, no one knows. But I think that's just a matter of just waiting a bit. Not not yet, at least. That would be my my point. Excellent, uh, Mike. I'm going to go to you. Same question. Interesting story. Um, your thoughts on the intersection of banking and conversational AI, where it sits right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mostly second what Alex was just saying about trust. I think that is the, the biggest blocker on applications like this. But in the spirit of trying to say something new and interesting, um, maybe I'll point out that banking is complicated and people aren't just showing up saying, hey, I need to do X. They're often showing up saying, what the heck is happening? Or how do I do X? Or someone help me? And I think a place that chatbots are are not really sort of focused on right now is providing that kind of help in a 
really human, meaningful way. Um, I see a lot of chatbots today that are, you know, hey, lo- let's point you to this blog post or something, but that's not really engaging with the way the person is asking the question, hearing how, what makes sense to them versus what's going to make sense to explain the same answer to a different person who thinks in a different way. So I think there's a lot of room for that, that we're going to need to solve in a lot of these industries that require that kind of complex navigation of difficult topics um, for people to be able to make that shift fully to, to something like an online chatbot. Yeah, these th- that's that's a great point. I mean, these things are not uh, suited, whether it's voice or chat or whatever the modality is, they're not suited for hazmat, you know, uh, treatment, like, you know, someone coming into the bank with potentially all kinds of issues. Um, and, uh, and furthermore, when you go to the bank, you're in a building. So if you're talking to somebody, it's kind of immaterial, whether that person is able to help you or not, because you've got the building around you and presumably other people are there waiting right behind, uh, to, to help if, if the person that you interact with first is not. So yeah, no, that, uh, that's, that's well said. And Noel, I'm going to go to you. Same question. Yeah. I mean, I'm. So I uh, work, of course, in the enterprise. That's that's my space. So I come from a slightly different perspective, maybe. Um, but I'm starting to see some patterns across, I don't know, different areas. Uh, specifically, you know, recently I've been asked in multiple occasions to speak to supply chain companies um, and how they can leverage. And actually, Alex, I think you were mentioning the metaverse and you kind of said it, you know, like, you know, this airy fairy thing, but it's actually a very real option um, to solve big problems for the supply chain, just visualization alone. Um, and one of the things that I thought about when, when you all were, were sharing was about how organizations right now are struggling with practicality. And the funny thing is to me is that it, it couldn't be more, um, it couldn't be more practical to add voice to everything. <laughs> like it's the number one thing I ask organizations to do. Um, and but I do see a big struggle right now with organizations that have mature enough development teams to do this work. So um, at NPR, for example, National Public Radio, right? They're really good in the voice space. They're one of the most popular, successful implementations on Alexa. But they and but they ran into a situation where they just didn't have the expertise to develop a like operational team to manage data science in this in the way that they wanted to. Um, and I think that that's also happening uh, across these industries. So that's my biggest um, challenge right now is really getting executives to take seriously the investment that's necessary in order to do this well. Um, and I don't see that investment happening, at least not with a significant push <laughs> um, or no. education or, or something. Yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective. Alex. Yeah, no, no. I think that um, you, you said something really, really interesting about metaverse and trust, right? That would be yes. the minute that you get into the metaverse, whatever that be, and you are speaking with something, you are probably like prepared to speak about uh, the same level, right? Of trust, because right. uh, you are going to be hesitating. It's the clash with the real life, right? Suddenly you are not ready to really answer some sort of private questions to who knows what uh, behind, right? So, um, because that's like unbalanced. It's like they know about you, but you don't know about them, right? In the metaverse, if you go uh, pseudonymized and you are suddenly whoever you want to be, then things may change. But yeah, 100% with you, Well. Thank you. I agree. Yeah, great, great comments. And so just just good to do a heat check on the banking space, uh, which um, which we haven't done in a few episodes now. So great comments. I want to make sure that we've got enough time for this last story. Uh, so we're going to get right on into it from face to face Africa. Say hello to Abina, a local voice oh. assistant by a Ghanaian aiming to rival Siri and others. So first of all, this is the first time we've used this publication. Second of all, it's rare It's rare that we go with a story that's not this week. This story is a couple of weeks old, uh, but it still eluded me completely. Um, and it's worth talking about. Third, it's a great juxtaposition to the way we started this show, talking about Alexa, Ho-Hum, Yawn, you know, uh, what, you know, the, the kind of end of the end of the cycle for them, what's going to be next. And remembering that uh, other parts of the world are not like that. 
And um, for, you know, in certain geographies, all of this is brand new. All of this is just as transformative as it was here in the U.S. five years ago um, and uh, equally as impactful. Um, Alex, I'm going to start with you, then Alia, then Mike, and then Noelle. I'm going to give you the last word. Uh, just want to hear your thoughts on this um, and uh, if you thought it was uh, as hopeful of a story as I did or you have some other take and um, just uh, how it struck you. So, Alex, you, uh, you, you first. Yeah, first thing that comes to my mind is how Western-centered we are usually, right? That we tend to just like value things from our own perspectives on on our daily lives. So I think that uh, one of your points during the introduction on on the news is is really relevant, right? Is um, what are the opportunities somewhere else? What's the use case that we can find for that product somewhere else, right? Because just because we decided that that was not good for us, I mean, we need to also understand that there's going to be way more. Um, for instance, we work a lot with Asia, right? Um, and we are like getting constant feedback from things that we were not expecting to be used in a certain way that suddenly they are, right? And that's really, really nice. We, we are suddenly having like different products out of one product, right? So we start seeing as well the same evolution when it comes to companies and we start like uh, companies copying or just like imitating what we do, right? With different approach or different nuances. And I think that that's what we are going to be seeing. This company is probably trying to learn fast from the mistakes of the previous ones. And it's just going to, like, going to refuel all this uh, knowledge into, into something new. This is where the opportunity comes. We will see new things coming thanks to this company. So welcome to Game. Yeah. Well, well said. Ali, I'm going to you. Same question. What, what, what's your take? Um, yeah, I agree with Alex. I mean, um... I think there is a lot of uh, languages in the world, um, African ones, but uh, not only, um, that are not written languages. So they are only spoken languages. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, our uh, our way to think conversational AI uh, was based uh, on uh, separate uh, the uh, language, I mean, the, the speech and the text parts of the language. Um, but for this kind of uh, kind of application, like kind of languages, um, we we can, for example, we can rethink uh, our conversational AI technology, uh, and it's not uh, a combination; it's an end-to-end spoken dialogue system. Uh, so no need to, to accurate uh, to accurately um, have a, a transcription of the of this language because it's not a written language, but um, the main task would be to match the, vo- the vocal signal uh, with the intention or the label or the task behind it. So it's very interesting. Um, I think it's very interesting to, to see uh, conversational AI uh, in, this, uh, in this, this perspective. And actually, I'm, I mean, originally from Tunisia, so I'm, I'm African and our language is not a written one. So uh, I think, um, I think this, uh, this topic deserves bigger attention from uh, speech communities and academic uh, speech communities. Couldn't agree with that more. Uh, Mike, I'm going to you. Same question. Yeah, I okay. could, couldn't agree more either with the, the stuff that's already been said here. I think the other thing that I'll talk about is, you know, I earlier mentioned there's not really a killer app for this stuff yet. Well, this is, uh, you know, developer who taught themselves to code, taught themselves to build this stuff because there was such a potent killer app for them personally in this use case of helping their grandmother to be able to use some of these tools. I mean, that that's heartwarming. That's incredibly impressive. But it also kind of speaks to me that companies at the, the size and potency of resources as someone like Amazon still haven't been able to hit that killer app that, you know, it's not a market, but it's a real thing that someone really needed. And to me, coming from the gaming space, it makes me think a lot about things like user-generated content and how can we be creating these tools not to say we from this central and, as Alex said, Western-focused perspective, define how everyone's supposed to use them, but how can we give everyone better and better tools for them to create these kinds of applications and do these amazing things that are so powerful for their unique experiences and situations? Um, I think that's the the really interesting direction to that. This sort of points me in. Excellent. And Noelle, I'm giving you the last word. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> it's always talk. tough though, man. I'm like, um, but they said all the things. Uh, so that was awesome. Great to hear from all of you. I 
was like, oh yeah, that and that. Um, but specifically, Mike, you were a great segue to what I uh, wanted to say specifically around, you know, the, the experience I have on a daily basis when I'm sharing democratized AI with the world, right? Being able to build an experience without having to become a data scientist or being able to build a solution without having to be even a coder. Um, I think this is a great example of having an idea and being able to build it in a relatively short period of time and being in a world where that can actually become a successful product. So I think that's amazing to echo a little bit of what you were saying, Mike, around, but I would love to see, you know, the Amazons, the Microsofts and, you know, of the world be like, wow, that's a interesting demographic. I would, I would want them to invest in this proactively. That is my hope is that there's a proactive interest in the nuanced. I mean, that's what this world is calling for, right? These nuanced applications, we now can build at scale. We can develop faster. We can prototype faster. There's no restriction or limitation to us being able to go and actually build out a very nuanced solution. So I'll leave you with this example, this a uh, kid came to me and said to me, hey, I want to build a voice application. And I was like, great, how can I help you? I'm kind of like the CTO in the conversation. And he said, I want, I was a childhood cancer survivor and I want to build a conversational app because my parents during that time didn't know what to do and they struggled and they couldn't figure out what to do when and they fought each other over what was supposed to go first. And ultimately the marriage was destroyed. And I, as the child, was not only battling this, but also watching my family get torn apart. And as an adult who survived this, I want to build something different. And today, unlike any other time in history, he was able to, as a business person, not a technical person, prototype a solution that then became a product that is now like a thing. And that evolution happened in a two-year period. So to your point, I think Mike and Alex and, and Ayla as well, like how do we get these technologies closer to the people with the pain? Because it's easier than ever for them to build something meaningful enough to become a product. And now, you know, you don't need a gigantic audience. You don't need billions of users. You only need to meet the needs, very important needs of a specific audience. And that's enough for a, that business to be successful. So that's my mission now is to go out there and, you know, get this technology into the hands that have that have problems they want to solve. And just, it's been such a big gap to be able to build something to get there. And I think that gap is closing and it's a huge opportunity for all of us. That's well said. All the comments are well said. And it's, it, I think it's really important to think about, would we be reading this story about this Africa voice assistant if six years ago, seven years ago, Amazon hadn't for been sure. bold with Alexa? Hell yeah. no. It's not no, it's hell no. Right. And now, um, interestingly, and I think very appropriately, Amazon can look to stories like that for their next chapter of inspiration because everyone's expecting them to be bold. Leaders need to lead. And Amazon's got all the resources in the world to do it. So hopefully, whatever it is they decide to do, they do it boldly um, because people are going to question them every step of the way. So... Absolutely. Why not? Why not go hard? Um, folks, thank you for being part of the show. Uh, Alia, Noel, Alex, Mike, appreciate the time sharing your expertise and your experience with not just me, but the audience as well. Thank you very much for thank having us. Thank you very much. Yes, thank for you. Us. Thank you very much. For this week in voice, season seven, episode 10. Thank you for listening on your podcast provider of choice or watching if you're watching us on YouTube. Until next time.